And so um, we're looking forward to that. So Isaiah 9, I'm going to continue the series this week on the power of the name. And for the last several weeks, we've been looking at names of Jesus, titles given to Jesus. I think it's the perfect uh, series going into Christmas. And I'm going to probably just keep continuing <laughs> as we get into the first of the year. Because, of course, our, our motto here is knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And so we're, we're about preaching Jesus knowing Jesus the apostle Paul had one goal in life that I may know him that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and so we want to know Jesus more and more today I'm preaching Jesus the light he's the light that's one of the names of Jesus one of the staples of Christmas are lights Christmas lights you got to have Christmas lights at Christmas and isn't this a beautiful tree and don't you love the beautiful decorations and uh, John and Jen Cumbus they come to the first service and they decorated and some others but uh, Christmas is just a tie the lights the beautiful lights I remember as a kid I used to love getting in the car with my parents and my parents would drive around looking at Christmas lights going through neighborhoods and uh, yeah they're still still a lot of things going on still a lot of lights and we got the St. Augustine Night of Lights that's always always fun to go to if uh, if you don't like lights you're a you're a Grinch you're a Scrooge my house is lit up I'm here to tell you I lit my house up so if you if you're if you if you don't have a light on or a Christmas tree up in your house you're a Grinch you're a Grinch it's a light I, I like I like Christmas I like Christmas I like Christmas movies I like the classic Christmas movies and uh, some of the, you know, the, the Grinch who stole Christmas. I like, I like the, the movie, the Jim Carrey version, and Elf. I like Elf. And, but there was a movie that, that came out early 2000s, like 2005, 2006, called Deck the Halls. Danny DeVito, Matthew Broderick. And it's a, it's, it's a silly movie, but I like this movie. It's, there's, there's a... It's a good, there's a, there's a message in this movie, and it's actually my sermon illustration, because I thought about this week as I was preaching on Jesus as the light. The storyline is that Buddy Hall has moved into a neighborhood, a new house, and he's become neighbors with Steve Finch, who's Matthew Broderick, Steve Finch and his family. Buddy's this insecure guy. Buddy's this guy, he's just got some issues. He's got some, some personal things going on. He's, he's got depression. There, there's darkness in his soul. He's in a season of darkness. And one day, his daughters is showing him that you can actually view houses from my earth, which is basically Google Earth. So they're looking in on my earth, and they're looking at the houses. And they see, they see the neighborhood houses. They're looking down the GPS, you know, the, the satellites. They're looking at these houses. They see his neighbor's house, but he doesn't see his house. So he gets all upset and bent out of shape that you can't see my house from, from space. So he has th this, this idea that, that he, he, he's got to get his house to be visible from outer space. He says, for once in my life, I want to do something big. So the way he does something big is he gets the bright idea that he's going to keep adding lights to his house. Add light, add light, add light. He gets more and more obsessed with putting lights. If you've seen the movie, I mean, there's, it's a neat <laughs> display. And to keep adding and adding lights and adding lights and, and adding lights, he becomes more obsessed 
about putting more lights. He's got he's to do something big. He's got to produce light. He's got to produce light. Basically, that's what it comes down to. He's trying to fill the gloom, the doom, the despair, the darkness of his life by adding more Christmas lights to the house. But the more light he added, the more problems it caused. If, you, if you've seen the story, it, it causes problems with the neighbors. He, his neighbor starts hating him, and, and there's all this funny stuff that goes back and forth. It even causes problems in his home because he's obsessed at trying to add more light, more light, more light, and, and his family gets wrecked, his, his marriage gets wrecked. And see, that, I, I just think that's a good, such a good illustration, a good picture of so many people. There's darkness of soul, there's despair, there's insecurity. And so many are doing everything that they can to try to add light to their darkness, to try to bring light to their world. They look to money. They look to relationships. They look to material things. Whatever they can to bring light to their darkness. But the problem is nothing or no one can permanently bring light to your darkness. The only way to truly bring light to your life is through Jesus, the light of the world. As a matter of fact, I mean, just, just like Buddy, the more he became obsessed with adding more, adding more, it caused, it caused damage to relationships and, 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 and to his life. And it's the same with us. We do more, add more, add more, do this, do this. And it ends up, instead of bringing light to our life, it ends up causing more damage than when we didn't have the light. So Isaiah 9 points to a time when the true light is coming to the darkness, to the dark land. Verse 1 says, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. This prophecy was written 700 years before Jesus, the light, would come into the world. It was written during a time of darkness, one of the darkest times in Israel's history. The northern kingdom had destroyed, had been destroyed by the Assyrians. Notice Zebulon, Naphtali. Zebulon and Naphtali are, they're, they're referring to two tribes of the 12 tribes of Israel that were hit the hardest by the Assyrians. Zebulon, Naphtali, if you look on an ancient map of Israel, it surrounds the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee would, be, would become known as the Galilee of the Gentiles because of the Assyrian occupation. So it's a time of darkness, despair, gloom. Some translations say gloom. It appeared hopeless as the Assyrian Gentiles had invaded, taken over the promised land, specifically Zebulon, Naphtali, by the Sea of Galilee. But Isaiah prophesies that a light would come to that dark land. Look at verse number two. The people who walk in darkness, the people of that land, will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Imagine the hope that's, that's bringing to the Israelis, to the Jews, a light will shine 
It's dark right now, but things are about to change. It's hopeless, but the hopelessness is, is soon going to turn to hope. But actually, things get worse for Israel. Because not only had the northern kingdom been destroyed, but after this was written, the southern kingdom of Judah would be destroyed by the Babylonians. Remember a few weeks back, we did a study on Daniel and Babylon and uh, how to navigate through Babylon. It would continue to grow darker for Israel. Yeah, there was some restoration throughout the years, but it was a dark season. So then you come a few hundred years later, 300 years later or so to the end of the Old Testament, Malachi. Still dark. Still dark. And from Malachi to Matthew, there's this 400 years of silence, darkness, it's known as the intertestamental period. It's, it's that dark period where God appeared silent. There's no prophets. There's no inspired writers. Darkness. Hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of years of, of darkness. Even though the prophet said a light has come. Where's the light? Where's the light? So the people of Israel... As they searched for the light and couldn't find the light, they tried to bring the light on for themselves. They tried to do anything to, to light up the darkness of their land, anything to bring hope to the gloom and despair. Even the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, You've heard of them. Jesus often got into a tussle with the Pharisees and Sadducees. They thought, well, to, to bring light to the darkness, let's add more laws. Let's do more religious deeds. Ten commandments isn't enough. So they actually add more. They actually usurp, usurp the, the, the law of God and end up adding more laws to the Torah, totaling 613 commandments to follow. That's how we'll bring light. We'll add more commandments. Dude, we can't even do the 10. How on earth are you going to do? I, I start at number one. <laughs> I, I, I fail at number one. They became super legalistic. You know what legalism is, don't you? Legalism is trying to live by man's laws to become right with God. But legalism doesn't bring light to the darkness. If anything, legalism makes life darker. Because there's no way you can live up to the standards of God. The point is, our natural instinct when we're in a dark season is, I got to do more. I'm not doing enough. Sure, I'm missing something. I've got I've to do something. That, that, we're wired. I've got to do something to get rid of the darkness. For some, it's spend more money. That'll make me feel better. Go to the gym. Work out more. Work longer hours, party more, vacation more. For others, it's adding good things. I need to do more good deeds. I need to volunteer more, more religious things, more, more good, more give more. Of course, all of these things are good. <laughs> but these things have no power to bring light into our world. They're the results of when light comes into our world. We do more, we give, we, we love, we, we do all that because light has come into them. They, they have no power in and of themselves to bring light into our world. So hundreds of years, darkness. 
Gloom for Israel has passed. But finally, in the midst of the darkest hour, at the appointed time, as a scripture that says, at the appointed time, light, the light that was prophesied 700 years ago, would come into the world. Zechariah declares in Luke chapter 1, in the New Testament, he says, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. I love that. That's just a hope-filled verse. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about, the morning light is about to break upon us. You know, there's just something about the morning light in there. Any early risers that love to see the morning, Amanda, you love to see the morning light. Love to see that because it, it, there, there's something when it, when it cracks through the darkness. The only time I, I'll see the morning light is if I'm sitting on my deer stand. Other than that, I'll see it at about 11 o'clock. I'll see it when the sun comes out. I'm not an early riser. If you're anti-gun and anti-hunting, sorry. Sorry. It's one of my favorite hobbies to do. But I'll be sitting out there early morning, and, it, and you get out in that, you get out in the, in the stand, and it's just pitch black, and it's like the woods are, the woods are, are dead. But all of a sudden, when that, when that morning light cracks, it's like the woods come to life. You, you hear squirrels come out of the nest and pitter-patter through the woods, and birds start singing, and, and in the distance on the farms, the rooster's crowing. <laughs> because there's just something about that, that morning light where, where when it breaks, it, it's like it livens humanity up. And maybe you're here today and you're in a dark season. See, see that's, this message is an encouraging message. It's a message of encouragement to those who are in a dark season. Who, who Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, he, he called depression the dark night of the soul. Maybe you're in the dark night of the soul. You're in a season of gloom and despair. Well, well you know what? Let me just prophesy to you and say the morning light is about to break upon you. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon you. Remember, it's always the darkest before the dawn, isn't it? You get, you're, it's dark, it's pitch black, but boom, and I, I'm just believing that the morning light is going to dawn upon you and bring light and life to your world. Matthew chapter 4, verse 13, this is referring to Jesus. It says, he went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. I'm telling you, prophecy is amazing to me. This is word for word, exact prophecy written 700 years. And just like was prophesied, Jesus Naz came to Nazareth. He went there first, moved to Capernaum in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This is fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live. Remember the Galilee of the Gentiles? It was called that because of the Syrian occupation. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Think about Zebulun. Think about Naphtali. Think about just the precision 
of the prophets and the Spirit of God. The land that was once in darkness. That land that was once destroyed by the Assyrians. That land by the Sea of Galilee. Do you know that that area would actually be where Jesus would spend the majority of his ministry? By the Galilee. By the sea. Most of Jesus' ministry was spent around the Sea of Galilee. The town of Capernaum. Or over there they call it Kepher Nahum because it was named after the prophet Nahum. The town of Kepher Nahum is in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali that we just read. It's on the Sea of Galilee. We went into the town of Kepher Nahum and that would become known as the town of Jesus. Jesus would move there. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Do you see this? It's, it's, it's physical prophecy fulfilled. It's spiritual prophecy fulfilled. Jesus brought light all around the sea. The Sermon on the Mount, the healing of the lame, the feeding of the 5,000, the casting out of demons, walking on water, just like the prophets said, light would come to the Galilee of the Gentiles. And then it continues. Look at, look at the end of verse 16, Matthew 4. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. The Amplified says, For those who sat in the shadow of death, light has dawned. Scholars believe that this land of the shadow of death is, is referring to the valley of Megiddo or Jezreel. Jezreel is the northern part. Megiddo is the southern part. It's a huge 30-mile valley that's on the south side of Naphtali connected to the Galilee area. Think about it. Those who sat in the shadow of death, light has dawned. See this valley, Megiddo, Jezreel, throughout centuries, it, it's, it's, it's a valley of darkness. So much darkness and despair in the Megiddo Valley, Jezreel Valley. So many wars have taken place. So many people have been killed in, in that valley. Lindsay spoke last week on Saul, and of course, did she not do an awesome job if you were here last week? I mean, she, home run. But she, she spoke of King Saul, who was killed. Jonathan was killed. They, they, and Jonathan had the son Mephibosheth. He was killed, Mount Geboa, over the Jezreel Valley. Just so much despair in that valley so the people who dwell there are dwelling in in this valley of despair and of course uh, prophecy looking to a future event the final battle the battle of armageddon will take place jezreel the valley of megiddo so in essence you could call it the valley of the shadow of death the people sat in darkness and despair and death in the valley of the shadow of death. See, there's just something that the land of Israel, it's a gospel in itself. <laughs> everything, is, everything is so precise. Even the land is precise. Overlooking the Jezreel valley, that valley that of the shadow of, of death is Mount Precipice. 
Mount Precipice is where Nazareth is. At the very top of Mount Precipice, overlooking Jezreel, that shadow, the, the, the valley of, of death, to this day is the remains of the synagogue where Jesus walked in in Luke chapter 4, opened the scroll and declared, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. He's declaring this overlooking the valley the shadow of death. The people who sat in darkness. So the, the blindness that he's talking about, the blind will see. He's not talking about a physical blindness. He's talking about a spiritual blindness. The, the, the people are dwelling in darkness. They're, they're dwelling in, in despair. Their, their eyes are blinded to the truth. But he's there to declare the Spirit of God is upon me. I'm here to, to bring light to your eyes so that you can see the truth and see the life that is available to you. Overlooking the valley of the shadow of darkness. From Mount Precipice, Nazareth at the top, Right over the valley is another mountain called Mount Tabor. Put up the picture. I got a picture of Mount Tabor. Just to give you, you got to get a visual of the land because the Bible speaks to you when, you when you know the geography, the Bible comes to life. There in the midst of the valley, it's like, boom, there's a dome. <laughs> right in the middle. I'm literally taking this picture from the synagogue where Jesus was taking the shop, Mount Tabor. Mount Tabor, all that below, Jezreel. The valley where the death casts its shadow. See, Mount Tabor is the place in Luke 9 where Jesus took his disciples to the top. They went up there to pray, but something amazing happened. He was transfigured, and the glorious, the radiant light of God would shine upon him. For light has dawned, the glory of God radiated. It's, it's known as the Mount of Transfiguration. And the light and the life of God would radiate through, to, through his disciples throughout all of that land. Can you just get the visual? Jesus, the light of the world, the valley of the shadow of death. And physically, the light is being radiated with the glory of God. Can you imagine the view of what this must looked to look in the valley and see the light of God Don't tell me the Bible is just a, a little fairy tale those who sat in the shadow of death light has dawned see Jesus spiritually and physically shone the light of the glory of God that's what the Mount of Transfiguration was all about it was to reveal the light and life of God. It's actually a fulfillment of the Isaiah 9 prophecy, the people who sat in darkness. John 8 verse 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The light of life. John 1 verse 4 in him was life and the life was the light of men this is one of those 
glaze over verses. We get it, Jesus is the light, but we, 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 we don't really contemplate too much on the light of life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. What does this mean? I mean, this is actually, understanding this little phrase right here is what brings it all together. This is why Jesus is the light of the world. Well, here it is. Here's my two points. <laughs> a definition for life and a definition for light. And putting them together, you'll see why Jesus is the light of the world. Number one, the word life used in both of these verses in the Greek is the word zoe, Z-O-E. Zoe literally means, Amanda, you've, you, you have a zoe, don't you? <laughs> a little zoe. It means divine life of God. It's not just referring to like our life to breathe. No, life in this context is the divine, perfect, abundant, blessed life of God. In him was Zoe, divine life of God. It also means the absolute fullness of life, which can only come from God. So, so John 1, 4 could literally read, in him was God's life. Or in him was the absolute fullness of life, which comes from God. So that's life. What about light? His life was the light of men. Well, number two, light in both of these verses is the Greek word phos, P-H-O-S. Remember, zoe divine life absolute fullness of life which comes from God light the word phos and in this context phos means the manifestation of God's life to reveal that's what light does reveal it to reveal God's life to impart God's life for example that that word phos that's where you get the word photograph it's the root word photograph what is a photograph? A photograph is when light reveals and imparts an image into paper or into a JPEG image. Phos is the impartation of something. So here, Phos, I am the light, is the impartation of God's life into the world I mean think about this Jesus came Jesus came to reveal and to impart God's life into you and to me just like that photograph reveals imparts that image into a piece of paper Jesus came to reveal God's and to impart God's image into us isn't that amazing that's why Jesus is the light of the world. It's about him manifesting and imparting the very life of God into those who would receive him as Savior. Like I said earlier, that's the prophetic visual of the Mount of, Tra of Transfiguration. The light and life of God radiated from Christ to those in the valley of the shadow of death. Do you know that spiritually we once dwelt in the valley of the shadow of death? We were born into a world of darkness. We were born into a world of death. We, we sat in despair and gloom and, 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 and in, and in the, the depth of our sin. 
But thank God for the light that shined and imparted the very life of God into us. So now, you know what? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because the life of God has been imparted into me. And because God's life has been imparted into me, that means death no longer exists inside me. Gloom, despair, darkness no longer exists inside me. Amen. That's enough to get a shout from her right over there. That's right. Let her rip. Let her rip, right? Mouth, Bible says out of the mouths of babes and, and little beings, he has perfected praise. That's right. If, if, you know what? If y'all want praise, if y'all won't say amen to the life of God inside of you, that little fella over there will do it for you. That's right. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So here's my question as, as we wind down. Have you received the life of God? Have you received the life of God that Jesus came to impart? See, that's what makes Jesus the light of the world because he came to manifest and impart the abundant life. John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. He came to impart, or impart the abundant life, the blessed life, the favored life, the good life into you and me. But have you received it? Remember, you can't, you can't bring this light and life into your world on your own. You have to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. What's sad is, I'm, I'm sure... What's not sad that most of you probably know Christ, but what's sad is there are still so many believers. You have the life of God in you. You have the light of Christ. But it's so sad that so many are still living in darkness. So many people who call themselves Christians are still living in darkness, despair, and gloom. You've got the light. You've got the life of God. You've, think about this. If you've received Jesus as Savior... You've got the very same life that Jesus had inside of him. You've got that same life in you. Isn't it tragic if you've got his life in you? Isn't it tragic that you're walking in darkness? Depressed? That's why I'm glad to have Celebrate Recovery coming. It, 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 it shouldn't be this way. Maybe you've received Jesus, but you're in a dark season right now, like Buddy, to try to fill the void, to, to, to try to, to, to fill the, the darkness. You're trying to recreate your own light. But all of it's just artificial light. I want to close with one last scripture. James 1.17, and I saw this in a different light this week as I was preparing for this. James 1.17 says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change see never forget that everything good in your life everything that's blessed and favored everything good in your life comes from god you didn't pull the good down from heaven he poured it down upon you as an act of grace we must never, ever forget that. It all comes from the Lord. But then it says, with him, there's no variation. There's no shadow due to change. That means he never changes. He never shifts. He never varies. He never turns away. He never casts a shadow. 
Like if the light is, if I block it, see, shadow, 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 because something is blocking, something is blocking the light. So if there's things in your life, if, if, if things change in your life from good to bad, if, if you're not walking in the light and the abundance of life, here's what I want you to see. It's not because he's changed. <laughs> because he doesn't change. It's not because if things have turned for the worst in your world, it's not because he has turned. Because in him there is no turning. If the light is not shining in your world, it's not because he has stopped shining the light on you. For example, if you look at the sun, you look at the sun 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all week long, all month long, all year long, all decade, century, millennial long, the sun keeps shining. The sun is shining. The sun is shining. The sun is shining. It's shining the same as it was now as it was a thousand years ago. It's shining, it's shining, it's shining. But, but the earth gets dark. How does the earth get dark? How is there darkness on planet earth if the sun keeps shining? Well, it's because the earth is on the axis. And the axis is spinning. So when the axis turns and, and the part of earth that we are on faces the sun, we're in the light. But the part that turns away from the sun is in the darkness. Think about that. So if there's darkness in your life, it's not because God is changing or turning. Maybe it's because you're turning. If there's darkness, it's not because He stopped shining the light and removed His life from you. It's because you've turned away from Him and removed yourself from Him. The light's always shining. The light's always imparted. God's goodness is always being poured out. He hadn't stopped his goodness from pouring out. He hasn't stopped the, the, the casting out of grace and, and mercy. He keeps shining. He keeps pouring out love and favor and blessing. The problem's not that he stopped shining the light. The problem is you've turned away from the light. So the answer is turning back to him. Turning back to the Son, S-O-N, the Son. Like the song says, in the light of His glory and grace. Here, here, here's the good news, and, and that's why this is so encouraging, because I, I promise you, I, I get in the dark seasons. I get in those seasons of gloom and despair, but I, but, 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 but I have to remind myself that in those seasons... It's not because God has changed. It's not because God has turned away from me. It's because I have turned away from Him. I'm the one that's turning. I'm the one that's changing. You know, isn't it just human nature? It's say if you notice something else, if you got a problem with your friend or whatever, oh, she's changed, he's changed. You know, a lot of times they haven't changed. You're the one that's changed. It's just human nature to blame the others for changing and turning. The good news for you is the sun is waiting there, still shining, wanting to favor you, bless you, shower grace upon you. Just turn to him, just like you are, just as you are. Run to the Father, run to the Son, 
If you don't know what to do, just get in there, get in, his, in, in the presence of the Son and, and say, I just need your light. I need you to light up my life again. I want to give you my darkness. I want to give you my, my dark life. I, I want you to light up my life again. And I promise you, you get, in, you get in the presence of the Son, your dark world will turn to light and life. I want you to bow your heads. In the light of His glory and grace. First of all, have you received Jesus as your Savior? The light of life. That's the starting point. It's coming to Jesus just as you are. And receiving Him as your Lord and Savior. For God so loved the world that whosoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. Zoe, if you come to him, believe on him. You got to admit that you're a sinner. You got to admit that you cannot save yourself. You got to admit that you are incapable of anything good. None righteous, no, not one. And you're just coming to him and you're seeking his grace and seeking his forgiveness. You're believing that all of your sin was placed upon Jesus when he died upon that cross. And he rose from the grave to bring new life into you. So if you come to him and acknowledge that, he'll save you and he'll fill you with life. Would you pray with me if, if you want to receive that prayer today? Just right where you're seated. Just pray with me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. you you got to believe this in your heart. Say, Jesus, I know that you died for me on the cross. Jesus, I know that you shed your blood for me on the cross. I'm make you my savior i make you the lord of my life please save me please forgive me of my sin restore light to me restore light to me in jesus name if you just pray a simple prayer like that he'll hear you he'll save you he'll shine his light upon you he'll fill you with renewed life it's as simple as that whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved Remember, it's mankind that tries to complicate salvation. It's the Pharisees and the legalists that tries to complicate salvation. Jesus says, just come to me. And maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you have prayed that prayer before. Maybe you, you, you are saved. You know that heaven is your home, but you're still living in darkness. You're in a dark season of life right now. A dark place of darkness, maybe depression, gloom, despair, whatever it is. You know, that's, that tends to happen a lot around this time of year. It happens so often because we lose loved ones and death and often we have one less family member at the table and, and it is, it can be a, a gloomy, dark season. But just turn to the light, turn to the light. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that if there's anyone here today, a believer that is in a dark season and I just pray just a revelation of the light of Christ, that they would just turn to the light just as they are. They don't have to clean themselves up. They don't have to add more light. They don't have to try to be the light themselves. Just turn to the light and say, here I am. Fill me up. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your light. Fill me with your light. I pray, Father, for every single person that's in darkness, that you would turn the darkness into light, into light. And Father, as we now go into this time of communion, I just pray that we would be directed to the light. In Jesus' name, amen.